Amen. It is in Jesus' name. And I, I love that song because over the last few months going through 2 Kings, we've talked about how so many different things try to become king in our lives, but we really want God to be the king of our hearts. And so if you've been tracking our equipping series, you know that we've been doing that verse-by-verse -verse study in 2 Kings, but we wanted to do something a little bit special today to honor the moms in our lives. And as I thought about 2 Kings and the mothers we've seen there recently, okay, so there's Athalia, right, who killed her own children and grandchildren so she could take the throne, maybe not her. Her mom, Jezebel, well, her name's been an insult for 3,000 years, so thought that probably wasn't the right direction to go this morning. <laughs> so instead, we're going to sneak forward into the New Testament into a letter called 2 Timothy. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a mentor of his who was really being built to be one of the key leaders in the earliest days of the church. But what's kind of interesting as we look into that letter is that you will see not only this young man, not only his mentor, but also a mom. And her mom, the grandmother. And how Timothy actually gets to experience a generational faith. And so my hope for you this morning, wherever you have gathered with us, is that this is both an opportunity to celebrate, maybe to remember the things that you love about mom, but also I think that you'll find that in this passage, there is something that Paul is giving to all of us that is application for us to take home today. And so we're kicking off in 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Paul says, I remember you in my prayers night and day. All right, so this is how much he cares about Timothy. He's thinking about him all the time. He says, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears. So I know the hardships you're having. I know what you're struggling through. I feel it too. Yet that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So if you think about this, we don't know a whole lot about Timothy beyond these two letters that are written to him by Paul. But if you asked me, and I had to guess, like where does Timothy get his faith from? What makes him so strong that he can be one of the most important leaders in the earliest days of the church of Jesus. Well, it's got to be Paul. I mean, this guy is an apostle. He's written half of the New Testament, and he's personally mentoring Timothy himself. Except if you ask Paul, he says he's remembering the faith that was in your grandmother and your mother, and that he sees that same faith in Timothy. That God was building something into Timothy through mom and grandma before he ever even met Paul. And so even as Paul continues to invest in him, he's saying, I want you to remember that. And, and I love that he gives their names too, that it's Lois and Eunice, that he knows them by name, that he's aware of their stories and their impact on Timothy. And he says, I want to call that to remembrance. Now you may not realize this, but the word remember is really one of the key concepts of the entire Bible. So we know things like sin and righteousness and love and God and gospel. Like these are key words. 
but so is remember. In fact, most of what goes wrong for God's people throughout the Bible goes wrong when they forget. And so he's constantly telling them to remember. Because more than just remembering like where I'm supposed to be at 3 o'clock or that today is Mother's Day, right? It's remembering to put in the proper place with proper respect the person who has set you up for success. And so for God's people, that means remembering God, keeping God in his proper place as the one who has blessed us, who has given us this life, who has given us the instructions we need for it and all of his comfort and love and peace and joy and then living obediently to him because we remember that. And so Paul uses it to describe mom and grandma for Timothy to say, I want you to honor and remember the genuineness of the faith that they had, which they're passing on to you. And so really one of the ways that you honor mom is when you take time to remember mom's influence. So probably all of us remember different things about our moms. And, you know, probably some things that we enjoyed and maybe some things that we didn't totally see eye to eye and they can probably remember a lot of things about us too and probably some things that they enjoyed and sometimes that they didn't see eye to eye with us either. But we can probably all think too, what are some of those moments where it's just like, that's my mom. You know, Neil talked about building something really cool out of Legos. That was, that was definitely one for me too. Or I think about like every time my kids draw a picture of my wife and, and the first time you're looking at it, you're like, is this what they think I look like? <laughs> But what you say is, it's beautiful and it's going on the fridge, right? Because it says, I love you, mommy, on it. And there's just something in that moment that's like, yeah, this is what it's all about, you know? You know, maybe it's the way that she hung up your pictures even though they didn't look quite right. You know, I can remember one that I drew of my grandma Thorwall. It's like, I don't know why I thought she didn't have a neck, but <laughs> she framed it. And it was, in, it was in the guest home at the lake. It's, it's still there. Like, it's been there for decades now. I'm like, she must love me, you know? Or I think about my mom. Every year for my birthday, my mom would let me pick what's for dinner. And she would make whatever I wanted. And so every year, I got just the most amazing beef stew. Like, even saying it's like I can smell it right now, you know? It's like, that's what my mom did for me. I mean, maybe it's a time where she just gave you encouraging words when you needed them most. You know, I think back to like, for, for, for weird reasons, sixth grade was one of the hardest years of my life. And it wasn't the school, it was like the emotional stuff and stuff with friends and just how many days I would come home and my mom would sit next to me on the couch and just listen and tell me it was going to be okay, that she loves me, that God loves me, and then we would just pray together. You know, we remember these just sweet moments from our moms. And really that's what this holiday, Mother's Day, is meant to be about. In fact, uh, the woman that invented Mother's Day was a woman named Ann Jarvis. And it was actually just in the late 1800s. And then in the early 1900s it became like an official holiday. And since then it has spread all over the globe. But that was not at all Ann's purpose. Like when I looked this up, I would have assumed that she was like campaigning somewhere and we gotta, we gotta honor moms and let's do this thing and this is gonna be really cool. Actually it was just her and her mom. She just wanted to take a day, like her mom has a birthday and she can take her out on Saturday, but she wanted to set aside a day to tell everyone around her, hey, 
My mom and I don't always see eye to eye. There's things we get right and things we get wrong, but there's things that she's done for me, and I love her. So today is not about you. Today is Mother's Day, and I want to honor her. And people just really took to that idea, and that's why it expanded so much. It was just meant to be a moment to pause and reflect on what we celebrate and what we're thankful about from mom. And so can I just say to, to all of the moms who are listening, thank you. On behalf of your children, <laughs> I, they'll say it too, but on behalf of your children, thank you for the times that you were patient, for the times that you were strong, for the times that you were kind when we didn't deserve it because you believe that we did anyway. Just thank you. We honor you for that. Right on, right on. And I want, to, I want you to notice this because in this passage, Paul essentially highlights one very specific thing that he's honoring Timothy's mom, Eunice, and grandmother, Lois, for. You look back at that verse, he says he's calling to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Now, what I think is kind of interesting, and, and maybe you won't, but um, I made the PowerPoint, so I get to tell you. <laughs> the Greek word here that Paul uses for grandmother out of the ancient Greek is actually pronounced mame. Well, I just thought that was funny because for us, mame is like mommy. That's mom. Grandmother is a different word. But for Timothy, he would be calling her mommy, Lois. So that's just free information. You use that however you want. Share that with somebody over lunch this afternoon. But it's the only time it's used in the entire New Testament that Paul's like, I got to tell you about mommy Lois. Why? Because of her genuine faith. And that word genuine, the idea here is like that's basically an antonym for hypocritical. So this is not the kind of faith that, that dresses up for Sunday and then is a different person all week long. No, his mom and his grandma had a faith that was not hypocritical, not legalistic, that they were real people trying to love God and follow his lead in their lives all the time. And yet you notice this, we don't really hear anything else about them. Right? We hear that they had this genuine faith, but I guarantee you that Lois and Eunice were not perfect. In fact, I think it's kind of funny because like when I talk to my wife and I say, you are an awesome mom, there's always like this, but I wish I was doing this better, or I feel like I should have done that, or I wonder if I'm doing all the things I'm trying to do. Yeah, I, but, yeah, okay, yes, but you are an awesome mom. Just say thank you. Just receive it, you know? But I think a lot of us are like that as parents. I, I'm the same way, you know? Like, we want to be the perfect mom or the perfect dad, but I've got the same thing. There are times I'm laying in bed at night, staring up into the dark and thinking, I've already ruined it. How do I undo all the mistakes that I've already made where I meant to do better and why don't I, right? Like this is our, our life. This is our normal experience. And that's not just when they're little. It's not just when they're teenagers. That stretches into adulthood as well as that relationship with your kids continues that we realize part of what God is offering to us is that even though we're not perfect, our faith in him can become a generational faith. That he's encouraging us to build a generational faith. And that building that does not mean that I have to be perfect. Right? It doesn't mean that I've done everything right. 
It doesn't mean that Timothy looks at Lois and Eunice and says, well, because they've never made a single mistake, I think I'll believe this too. But rather it's because Timothy can see it. He can see it in their lives. And so not only do we honor mom by taking time to remember her influence, but also to pick up this charge to build a generational faith. You know, we think a lot about what it takes to build generational wealth. You know, what are things that we can leave to our kids and even our grandkids and beyond? You know, if you live as a parent in this day and age, it's like your entire world is wrapped around their calendar, right? And we put so much energy into like, here's all the things I used to do, but nap time is 10 o'clock. So it's all canceled and I'll see you in 20 years or something, right? Like, I don't know, they could probably nap at 10.30, can't they? And yet, this is how our lives begin to cycle. And it's all about, I'm, I'm coaching over here, and i got to run them back and forth over here, and I'm doing this over here, and we're, in, we're putting our money into this thing for them because we want to give them great opportunities. And I have no idea how much of that Lois and Eunice did for Timothy. But here's what I do know. They were building a generational faith. I wonder if we invest as much in their faith as we do in these other things. And and I'm asking that to myself, too, because that sounds really intimidating, doesn't it? I mean, there's a piece of that that that's like, oh, my goodness. I I don't even know how. I mean, I'm trying to figure out my own faith, and I'm supposed to invest in their faith. And and so one of the things I think has been helpful for me is to realize that it is not that I have to have everything solved. It's more like, am I moving forward, and am I living that out in such a way that the people who live in my own household can see it in me? Right, that I make decisions by talking to God about it. That if I catch myself complaining, if I catch myself you know, being too negative, like, do, can I own my mistakes and say, hey, I, these are things that God has given me grace for and I'm asking him to help me do it differently. You know, that when I have those confrontations, even with my own kids, am I willing to go back and be the one who says, I'm sorry. Here's how I'd like to do this differently. Because to build a generational faith doesn't mean that I've got it all lined up. But there is this idea that I'm living it out around the people who see me the most. I've been really thankful in my own life. I feel like I'm kind of spoiled in having been able to see this in my own family. Because even as he talks about Lois and Eunice, I want to tell you about Vicki and Shirley. Which is my mom and my grandma Hewer. And... I, I got to visit my grandma about a year ago. Was, she's out in California. And so last time I was out there, you know how it is, like, however long it's been since you saw grandma, you remember, like, the smells, right? And my grandma is, uh, you know, the, the plane lands in San Francisco, and then we drive to Turlock, California. And I grew up around Chicago. So it's like you leave from the ice and snow of Chicago or Cincinnati, And when I land in San Francisco, it's like you're looking out the window and it's palm trees and almonds and like everything's growing. And by the time I get to grandma's house, it's like walking up that sidewalk to the front door. You can smell the orange tree that's blossoming and there's lemons in the back because it's California. Everything grows all the time, you know. And, And you open that door and you step into grandma's living room. And even though you never lived there, it's like you just came home. And so about a year ago when I was hanging out with grandma, sitting right there in her living room, you know, I thought one of the things that it was just fun with her is to ask about the past, you know, decades that I didn't live through and things that she learned or what it was like when she was a child. And I realized one of the questions I hadn't really asked her before 
You know, even though every time we visited as a kid, you know, she would take us to church with her and grandpa and take us to the kids' things at the church and, and pray together. And, but I thought, you know, I've never asked her, like, what's, what's one of her favorite parts of the Bible? You, know, you live into your 90s trusting the Lord for decades. Like, there must be something in there that you're hanging on to. I said, Grandma, what, what, what's one of your favorites? And she said, Psalm 34. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because, like, Psalm 34. Like, my mom shared Psalm 34 with me. Because in a season when I was going through a ton of anxiety and fear, my mom took the Bible and said, hey, here's one for you. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And man, I've been hanging on to that one for years now. And to realize I got that from my mom and she got that from her mom. And ultimately all of us got it from God. In fact, um, I set my Bible down right over here and then I picked up another Bible from over here. <laughs> That's because I just wanted an excuse to tell you that, that this little Bible was given to me by Grandma Shirley on the 50th wedding anniversary of her and Grandpa. And she inscribed it, Drew and Melissa, on the front because she wanted us to remember exactly where they found the strength that brought them through 50 plus years of marriage. You know, I don't know what your experience is like or what your family history is like, you know, for a lot of us, it can be different. But if it's not a generation you can look back to, it may be that you have the chance to be the first to begin to build a generational faith like that. You know, my wife has experienced something similar, and I've been so thankful for this because when I met Melissa, and as I was falling in love with her, one of the things that I've always loved about her is that she's just so kind. She's so gentle, and my wife is the kind of person who's like, always trying to think about the other people. Like, are, are, are you doing okay? Are you having a good time? Are, are you feeling good? And so as we spent more time together and I got to meet her mom, I was like, oh my goodness. This is where Melissa gets it from. <laughs> because Deanne is that person who is always thinking about, is everybody else having fun? And what else can I do to make you have more fun? And here's 10 more ideas. Let's have more fun. Like, is everybody having a good time? And then the more I spent time with them, eventually I got to meet Grandma Hawbaker, who you see sitting in the middle here. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is where Deanne gets it from. I mean, Grandma Hawbaker is just one of the sweetest people, easiest to talk to. You know, just the same thing, listening to her stories and sharing her memories and hearing her talk about just decades of God's faithfulness to her and her family. And so I'd encourage you, you know, maybe you feel like you're me or Melissa and you're looking back through multiple generations and saying, I'm so thankful they handed that down to me. But if you're listening today, it may be that you are Shirley. Maybe you're Grandma Hawbaker. Maybe you're saying, hey, I'm going to be the first and I'm going to pass that down. I want to start to live that kind of faith, enjoying God every day, knowing what it looks like to have that generational faith. Because ultimately, here's the thing, as, as this letter goes on, as Paul continues to write to Timothy, he basically tells Timothy, like, now, now we almost set grandma and mom aside for a minute because Timothy's faith is genuine like mom's. It's genuine like grandma's. But he can't live mom's faith and he can't live grandma's faith. It has to be his own. 
right? Paul never lets him off the hook and says, hey, I know you're kind of a punk and I know you don't really care, but as long as you hang around these faithful people, they should be able to protect you. No, he says, you need this for yourself. And so actually just a couple pages later in this same letter, we label it chapter 3, but this is what he says to Timothy. But you must continue in the things which you learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. And I love how fine a point Paul puts on this. It's not just like, well, I, I consider myself a man of faith, and believing God is out there somewhere, and if I try to be a good person, then he'll try to do me a few favors. Like, that is not what Paul is talking about. When Paul is talking about this genuine faith that we can actually live and enjoy every day, he tells Timothy, you've got to continue in this. You've got to continue. It's not just one moment that like you had faith somewhere, you know, you dropped it into your life, but it kind of settled to the bottom. No, you need to continue living this out. And, and I love how he gives that picture that you've learned this from childhood. So we know for Timothy, those are things that were coming from grandma and mom. And maybe it is for you too. Like maybe as you hear that, you're like, wow, I'm Timothy. I mean, I had parents or grandparents who loved God and wanted me to love him too. And they brought me to church and they taught me those things and they prayed with me and we read the Bible as a family. And yeah, I learned those things as a kid. I've been in the Holy Scriptures. I've got to continue in that. And maybe it's a little bit different for you. Maybe that didn't come from your family, but there's some inkling that somewhere in your childhood, somebody was trying to convince you that God loves you. That we've all made mistakes, but that God has a plan for forgiveness because he wants to spend forever with you. That's how cool you are. God wants to spend forever with you. Paul's saying, remember that thing. Remember that moment. Take that to heart and continue in it because what comes from the scriptures is not going to give you a vague sense of, I hope God is out there somewhere and I hope someday if I meet him, he's kind of okay with me. He's saying, no, this is the secret to salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. You see, the faith in Jesus Christ is that I know, I mean, forget about as a parent, definitely as a parent, and in life in general, I have made mistakes and I have done things wrong. In fact, one of the most comforting things I've ever heard about parenting, something I learned from Chad, I don't know where he picked it up, but I heard it from him. God is the only perfect parent. And all of his children rebelled. <laughs> all of them. Every single boy and girl God made rebelled. And I'm part of that. I've been that too. But we sang it this morning, God so loved the world that he sent his only son to save us. That Jesus Christ died to pay the price for all the ways that we've rebelled so that we can be at peace again with our heavenly father. Paul's telling Timothy, that's the one thing. You know, whatever else, you know, beef stew Eunice made for Timothy and, you know, whatever other, like I remember my grandma used to put on the record player like every night falling asleep at her house. It's a small world after all. Just on repeat all night. On, you know those record players that are the size of the chest freezer? It's got all the records lined up at the bottom and the turntable on the top. And for all those little moments that Lois or Eunice might have put into Timothy's life, here's the thing Paul wants him to remember. 
It's faith in Jesus Christ. You see, essentially what he's telling him is Timothy, right? This is to us, mom or not today. You've got to live what you learned. It can't stay up here. It can't just be a ritual I go through. It's got to be a thing that I'm living every day with the God who died to make it possible. I had a really fun example of this over the last couple of years. I met a young couple a couple of years ago, Zach and Jordan. And when I first met them, I barely knew them at all, but they were just, uh, had just gotten engaged and they were looking towards marriage. And so as we sat down and talked about this, it was, it was really fun getting to know Zach and getting to know Jordan. But one of the things I wanted to tell them is like, I just believe that it's absolutely critically important that a husband and wife are like on the same track spiritually. And so as we started to talk about that, it was just really fun to listen to Jordan talk about her mom, Sue. And she's like, you know, when I think about faith, when I think about following Jesus, like I just picture my mom. Like she is so faithful and she's the one who always took us to church. And um, a lot of you actually probably know Sue. You know, she volunteers here a lot and helps out with uh, memorial services and things like that. Just one of those always smiling people, just really sweet. And so hearing Jordan describe how she felt like her faith had grown out of her mom's faith was really cool. And for Zach, it was a little bit different. You know, Zach was at a phase where he was still more exploring, like, I believe God is there. I believe that faith is good, but I don't know what that looks like for me. And yet when he talked about kind of what his spiritual background looked like, he pointed to his grandma, Grandma Phyllis. He said, man, if anybody knows God, it's my grandma. I mean, she talks to him all the time, and she is like, she is always praying. So if there's something going on in my world, I don't know if I'm ready to talk to God. Like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, but, but man, I'm going to make sure Grandma knows because she's going to talk to God. And so one of the really cool phrases that, uh, that his grandma always had was, always keep God in your back pocket. And she didn't mean like, just in case I need him, like ignore him for a while, but he's there if I need him. No, what she meant was to realize that he is always with you. That there's no circumstance you walk into, no joy or challenge that you suddenly realize, oh my goodness, I left God at home, what do I do, right? No, he's always with you. You can talk to him anytime. And so it's just been really fun over the last couple years to see Zach and Jordan as they continue to explore how they grow in their own faith, that now they're also looking at their own kids. In fact, they were just talking to me the other day about doing uh, the child dedication here at Horizon. Because they want to make a promise to themselves and to their kids to help them grow in the same kind of generational faith that has been passed on to them. I love that. In fact, that, that exact thing, like that's why one of our core values here at Horizon is family. You know, we have a number of different core values, but, but family is a big one. Because our families can all look different. You know, they can take different shapes and have different kinds of people in them and different relationships in them. But God uses that word to describe the family of God. That when you put your faith in Christ as your savior, as your forgiver, you're adopted into that family. And so we take that and we try to let it trickle down in all the different ways that it can go. And and one of the things that that means is that we really want to help you grow in your relationship with God. We also really want to help your kids and your family grow in their relationships with God. Which also means we want to help you, help your kids and your family grow in their relationship with God. 
And so the last instruction that Paul really gives Timothy on this point, he uses this phrase, he wants Timothy to stir up genuine faith. And I love that he uses that phrase, stir up. Because like we said, if, if, if I just kind of take like a dose of faith, and I believe in Jesus now, but it just kind of settles to the bottom of my life, at the bottom of that cup, and I don't taste it anymore. Paul's saying, no, this is like the best part. You've got to stir that up, mix it around, make it active again. Let it permeate through everything in your life. He wants Timothy to stir up genuine faith because that's how it will become generational. And I think one of the things that as a parent kind of weighs on me the most is if I hear this, and and moms, maybe you're hearing this today. Maybe dads are hearing it too. You know, it's like there is nothing I want more for all the different stuff I'm busy with. There's nothing I want more than for my kids to love the Lord. That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? I got to make sure that happens. Well, I want you to think about it a little bit differently. Because there is a lot of pressure that can build up in parenting. And one of the ways that I feel it is like the stack of parenting books that builds up in my house of all, like if I just read this one book, then I'm finally going to do this thing right. And I read the book and I highlight the pages. I dog ear a few of them. I take some notes. I'm like, okay, starting tomorrow, I'm a good dad. And then six months later, I see that book. It's like, oh, man, there's that book. I, oh, man, I didn't do any of this. You know, it's like it's too much to keep up with. Oh, hey, the author has a new book out. <laughs> man, this starting tomorrow, that one, this one, though, I'm going to be a good dad. And then I have a stack of like 30 books that say how to be a great mom, how to be a great dad. How to... So not, not picking on the authors. There is good stuff in there. But in many ways, the Bible says, hey, none of us are going to be the perfect mom or dad. Because all of us are flawed humans ourselves. I mean, it's one of the things we hope, right, is our kids recognize that because we need grace too. So you can almost like slide the pile over and not worry so much about the pressure of accomplishing all 25 chapters of all 38 books. And God says, hey, what if your main focus is passing on genuine faith? And what that really means is you stir it up in your own life. Because Eunice and Lois can't force Timothy to believe in God or follow him obediently. In fact, none of us can force anyone to follow God. Part of the good news that is in here is that it is only God. It is only the Holy Spirit who can stir that up in us. Paul even calls it the gift of God to Timothy. It's not a gift from Eunice. It's not a gift from Lois. As much impact as they had, in the end, it's between me and God. And if I care about the people around me, then I trust God for them. And I try to live genuine faith in my own life. And so a couple of ways that I just wanted to encourage you that maybe God puts something on your own heart. But these are just a couple that might be practical for you. Because I also find it interesting that Paul, who's writing this letter, Paul was not married, And Paul had no kids. And yet you see him on every page of this letter investing in the next generation. And so maybe you feel like you're a Paul this morning. That you have a faith that you could pass on. And just one of the ways you might do that might actually be right here at Horizon. Volunteering with our students or in East Station with the younger kids. Because as a parent, I think you get this, but like as a parent, I can't tell you how awesome it is to have other adults speaking faith into my kids lives because of course I'm trying to but sometimes it's like well yeah that's just dad (laughs) you know 
I mean, we all know that, like, until you're 30, it's like, all the other adults are cool, and my parents are like, my parents, you know. Then you hit 30, and it's like, actually, my parents might have been on to something, <laughs> right? I can't tell you how valuable it is to have other adults speaking into the lives of your kids. And so maybe that's something for you, like a Paul, to a Timothy that you'd like to be involved in. Would you please come and talk to me about that? Talk to Ryan, talk to Chad. We'd love to help you get connected. Or maybe as you think about your own kids, maybe you want to think about child dedication. The next one is still a few months away, so you have plenty of time to get involved there. And our children's pastor, Sierra, does an incredible job with those seminars, kind of helping you wrap your head around what it looks like to live out a genuine faith in front of your kids and what you would like to shape for them. So again, please talk to her, talk to me. We'd love to get you the information for that as it's coming up in a few months. But really, like Timothy, it's got to start with my own heart, right? Because the other thing that intimidates parents is like, Spiritual conversations with my kids. What if they ask those questions I don't know the answer to? And so here's two things that I found really helpful. My wife has started doing this. When we leave Horizon on weekends, she will just ask the kids, hey, what did you guys talk about today? And I love that because then one, now I'm going to see if they were paying attention. Okay, that's not nice. (laughs) But usually they were and there's something that kind of cuts through the clutter that they heard that morning about God that they're trying to figure out. And a lot of times... That becomes the thing that like hangs with me for the rest of the week. You know, just out of the mouths of children and infants, he will ordain praise. And so maybe it's just to ask him, hey, what'd you guys talk about today? And chew on that with him a little bit. Talk about it over lunch that day or or, or the next evening. But also the other thing that can help you is to be spending time in this book yourself. Because a lot of the questions that we ask about God, about eternity, about spiritual things, the answers are here. And we're just not that familiar with it. And there is no shame. Like, Chad and I do this all the time. I can't tell you how many times we call each other back and forth. And it's like, hey, did you ever hear this thing before? Hey, did you ever know this? like, no, I did not. So what about this? And what about that? Asking questions is one of the best parts of getting to know God. And so I'd encourage you, maybe it's just picking up whatever your favorite Bible app is. Like, they all have reading plans in them. And just start being intentional to go through this and see what God speaks to you. And how many of the gaps that might fill in. And don't put the pressure on yourself. Like if you miss a day, that's all right. As long as you're moving forward and letting God speak to you. Because that's what Paul was celebrating for Timothy from mom and grandma. Is the genuine faith that they're passing on. And so I'd like to pray with you. And then the band is going to play a song for us. That really celebrates those character traits of the moms in our lives. How they can be heroes. How much they love us. Like Neil said, how much they comfort us. And so as you hear this, celebrate the mom in your life. But also remember God, the perfect parent, who is all of those things and more. And celebrate him as you listen. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so thankful for the moms in our lives who showed us compassion and grace God, honestly, I'm just, I'm thinking of characteristics that define you, slow to anger, abounding in love, even when we didn't deserve it or felt like we didn't. Lord, we thank you for them and we thank you as well for your abounding love in our lives and your grace toward us. And we do that in Jesus' name. Amen.